0: Thanks for downloading this official Munster Rugby podcast. For more, go to MunsterRugby.ie or subscribe to Munster Rugby on SoundCloud or iTunes.
1: This, this is the Crooked Feed podcast. Hi everyone, Duncan Casey here and welcome to this season's final episode of the Crooked Feed, the official podcast series of MunsterRugby.ie. Coming up this month... As he prepares for a move to Poe in the French Top 14, Dave Foley looks back at his time in Munster and looks ahead to what will be an exciting new challenge for him in France. The club is built on community and everybody knows everybody and I really enjoyed that fact
0: that, um, that everybody was around and I got to play with. The lads that I came up with.
1: With the Lions tour just around the corner, CJ Stander joins us to discuss his time to date in Munster, where after a tough couple of years initially, he eventually excelled with Ireland and hopefully this summer with the British and Irish Lions.
2: Yeah, yeah, I did not really expect it. Uh, well, two weeks in before the call, the call was made. I said to my wife, "Look, I don't think I'm going to be in." So uh, when I got the call. Uh, it was quite special.
1: And with next season's Champions Cup draw set to take place on the 8th of June, you can win a pair of tickets to a Champions Cup game of your choice at Thoman Park next season, a little later on here on The Crooked Feed,
0: The Crooked Feed Podcast.
1: Set to make the move to poll this summer, Dave Foley follows in the footsteps of his Munster colleagues James Collin, Paddy Butler and Sean Dougal. A product of the Munster Academy, the Clonmel native made a total of 84 appearances for the province, his last coming against the Scarlets at the end of February this year. Dave sat down for a really interesting and enjoyable look back on his time at Munster. Thanks for having me, Dunk. Congratulations first and foremost on your move to France. I'll be very sad to leave you go, um, as I'm sure many of the others in the squad will be, but uh, it's a great move for you nonetheless. How excited are you? Yeah, very excited
0: now. Um, you know we've uh, we have a good day now today actually, and uh, I'm uh, I'm looking forward to many of those. Um, the weather is going to be uh, really nice, so that's going to be a big up. But um, yeah, it was hard at the start, obviously, to make the decision to actually go. So um,
1: now that I'm settled in my decision, I'm really looking forward to it. You made your debut for Munster in 2010, uh, but you did you didn't make your European debut until January 2014. Uh, and I was—I was actually sharing a room with you that day. It was before we played Gloucester, and over—over uh, in—over in, over in Home. And I just left uh, to go up towards the team room because we were getting ready for the game. And I could see you were petrified with nerves. And you actually, <laughs> as I was leaving the room, you turned off the TV and you were just lying <laughs> on the bed, just staring at the wall. And I had to go turn on the TV, <laughs> man, or get up, get up or something. <laughs> Uh, you're gonna you're gonna yourself out here, but you you obviously you started the game, played really well, and uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, sure. It, the, the rest of that season was terrific for you, and then ultimately you got capped for Ireland that November, two caps against uh, Georgia and Australia, and things really couldn't have been going any better. And then you suffered an injury, which set you back a bit. Can you tell us a bit about that? Um, w- what which part the injury itself or, yeah. or the whole lot? <laughs>
0: <that>? Um. <laughs> As regards to turning off the TV, I was sick of listening to the English channels, <laughs> so I was like, "I'll just, uh, I'll just listen to my mind." But um, yeah, I did. I picked up an injury uh, there after the the November tests. I think it was around. It was actually, I think, coming into Six Nations time. Oh, yeah. Um, so yeah, kind of bit of the story of my life. Really, I kind of just start playing well and um, start getting the rewards, and then I kind of pick up. Uh, pick up an injury and usually they're not short term I've kind of had a few long term injuries so um they've been difficult to deal with but uh, every time that I have been injured I've I've the main thing for me um was to try better myself uh, so I think I think in those um periods of time I think I did uh, focus on on parts of my game um which which hel- which helped a lot but I just didn't
1: stay injury free um for long enough was was my issue really you Went to, went to school in um, the CBS in Clamell. Not exactly a hotbed of rugby activity. You came through the club system. Uh, you're probably a, a, a decent chunk of the current squad have come through the club system, but there probably weren't many around when you were coming through. Uh, did you find Did you find it difficult in comparison to the way the school lads were getting brought in? Did you find that you were up against it when it came to selection or anything like that was there any bias there do you think
0: yeah well when I started out it was um, I kind of got a bit lucky I suppose I just I started playing kind of well at about 17 and uh, the youth team picked me up um, and I had a few good games really I I didn't think I was to be honest I wasn't a a fantastic player by any means you know um, kind of 14, 15, 16. There was times when I would have been just on the bench for Clamel, so you know that'll kind of tell you where I was at the time, you know. But, um, but uh, you're always a long <laughs> little, <laughs> yeah, I was very long, <laughs> very long, yeah. yeah, not much weight behind me, but um, no, then then obviously, yeah, look, I think the schools lads have such a massive uh, head start. On um, the youth fellas, because they play rugby obviously every single day of the week. My my rugby intake was uh, trained on maybe a Friday or Saturday and playing a Sunday, that was it, twice a week. Um, but luckily I'm a lock and it doesn't take a huge amount of skill, so you, you push hard and you pull hard and, uh, you, know, you, you know, anyone can do that really. Whereas if I was a 10 or 9, then I think I'd be probably in a lot more trouble. Those fellas need to be a bit more skillful than me. So, um, yeah, I was quite far behind, but at the same time I knew I could catch them.
1: Uh, when you came into the academy, you, you mentioned there that there wasn 't a lot of weight behind you when when you were <laughs> younger. When you came into the academy there there still wasn 't really um like I, I always explain to people when they ask that there 's usually two kinds of people in rugby people that are find it hard to keep the weight off and people that find it hard to keep uh, find it out to keep the weight on i think we 'd both be in the category of people that find it hard to keep the weight on. Mm, um, I might, might disagree with that. <laughs> I might, now that I'm looking I might look, look it, but uh, <laughs> I promise. <laughs> yeah, sure. Okay, go ready. on,
0: we'll go with it anyway. Yeah, you're the same as me. You're naturally skinny.
1: <laughs> <laughs> People, I think, underestimate how difficult that is, especially for taller guys, because there, there, there's so much frame to pack yeah. as much as you can on. And, I mean, particularly... In today's game, it's not unusual to see second rows that are 120, 125 kilos. Uh, when you're coming from the mushroom farm in Clam Mill and you've been living <laughs> on a diet of mushrooms for your teenage years, uh, how difficult is it? Like when you're coming in as a young guy and there's a lot of pressure of you to get big very quickly. Was that something you found difficult?
0: Yeah, I did 100%. And I, yeah, you're, you're dead right. There is two types of fellas. There's the heavier guys that are naturally heavy and then there's... Um, guys that are like me that do find it difficult to keep size on um, and I suppose we probably look at each other in different ways they'd love to be naturally skinny and I'd love love to be naturally heavy so or fat or whatever you <laughs> want to call it it's one or the other but um, yeah look it's always been uh, even now even at, at 29 years of age it's something that I have to be careful of um, and uh, eat properly and just make sure that I'm getting enough enough food into me so it's pretty boring stuff but um yeah, unless you're heavy you can't do a job. So um and even at even at one one ten I'm still probably um at times not heavy enough compared to some of the, the lads definitely the lads I'm gonna be playing against next year at one thirty, 130, one thirty five. I I know there's a guy there playing for Larochelle at one fifty. They're even moving they're even moving their tight end prop into second row, so I'm like, Oh my god, what am I getting myself in for here?
1: <laughs> As I said, you made your Competitive debut with Munster in 2010, uh, but it it took the bones of four years for you to break into the European side. People suffer with that kind of in-between period for a while where you're waiting to really break down the door and break in. Um, How frustrating is it as a young guy when you're doing everything you can and you're training hard, you're playing hard, but there just isn't room for you? Um, Very
0: frustrating, uh, to be honest. But at the same time, now that I look back all these years later, I didn't have a chance realistically um, at breaking it at that time because I was physically way underdeveloped. That was a big issue and then obviously when you've got three or four internationals in the exact same position that you're that you're going for, um, one or two of them were probably the best in the world at the time and I think two of those guys or maybe even three have been on lines, definitely two have been on lines trips. So. Um, yeah, as a young fool, you think you're better than them, which is absolutely mental. But that's just, that's probably the sportsman coming out in you. But um, yeah, it is. It's 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 hard. But I think on the flip side, if I was to go away, I certainly wouldn't have learnt as much. Um, I don't think I would have learnt as much from playing games in the championship or or whatever if that was the path that I was to go down. I think staying put was the right decision. And um, you know, I. I'm glad that I made the decision to stay because I really enjoyed my time here. And in the end, I got quite a lot of caps and um, I got a lot of game time towards the end and I really, really enjoyed it. And, and the other issue is that all my friends are here, you know what I mean? And that is such a massive thing and it, the club is built on community and everybody knows everybody. And I really enjoyed that fact that um, that everybody was around and I got to play with the lads that I, um, that I came up with.
1: Yeah, it is a difficult thing to do, obviously, to leave. Like, I mean, Clamell isn't a million miles away from Limerick. Um, I suppose Poe isn't either, but it's it's a significantly further away. <laughs> yeah. um, you're lucky in the sense that, like, Sean Dougal and Paddy Butler are over there. James Collins retiring this year, but he'll be he'll be around um, coaching the academy side over there, and I'm sure you'll be seeing plenty of him. Uh, you've got Elliot and Paddy over there, and obviously some of Mannix as well. So... Um, does that, does that ease your nerves, I suppose, or, or or your apprehension about going to a completely new place? Um,
0: <clears throat> yeah, 100%. It, it makes it so much easier. At the end of the day, you're going over to another country that they don't speak English, ultimately. So, um, you know, trying to get a bit of feedback from those guys was a, a massive influence on, on my decision. You know, I've been talking to Paddy um, a lot, a lot, actually. Um and he's really loving it there. He's, he's really enjoying it. He's like, look, he's like, the lifestyle is, is really good there. He's like, we're actually playing really good rugby. They were probably looking at a, a, a close to a top six finish until they lost a few players towards the end. So they're playing really competitive stuff. They're play, playing a game plan that we used to play here at Munster, at Munster under Rob Penny. And um, it actually really suited me and it's exciting. And, um, you know, I'm looking forward to having a, a good mix of uh, a decent lifestyle with, some some decent rugby and at times um here in Limerick obviously it's 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 an unbelievable place but we lack we lack the because we live in each other's pockets and we're all about rugby and that's it, you know, whereas I'm looking forward to broadening my horizons and um just getting stuck in down there.
1: Oh you're gonna be so cultured <laughs> <laughs>
0: French sticks and red wine.
1: <laughs>
0: no, I'm gonna drink cider from Clamel when I get over
1: there. <laughs> Looking back on your career, um, obviously it's a, it's an obvious question to ask. But what are the highlights? Uh, I suppose
0: uh, outside of Munster, I would say um, my first cap for Ireland. Um, that was just an unbelievable experience, just having my family around. And um, I suppose then outside of outside of that, then uh, Munster wise, uh, just playing with the lads week in week out, it was it was incredible. I suppose at times maybe the mistake that I made was that I took some games for granted um and if I could change that I, I probably would but the highlights definitely were um playing playing European cup in Thomond Park there's just nothing like it um the time that we we played Toulon over in the semi-final the the experience of that just I think just stood to me for the rest of um for the rest of my time at Munster you know it was just it was a real eye opener and I knew what what we had to do to to get back there and um to get myself there I think I needed a lot of work you know from there on out so um, yeah, just playing with the lads was just unbelievable and I think that's what I'm going to miss the most to be honest
1: uh, I was going to ask you about regrets you alluded to one there but looking back w- would you have done much differently if you could have a chat with your younger self now
0: uh, yep I would have as I said I think that is a that is a regret of mine I think it was more so that you know for some of the the teams that were below us in the division you know when it came to Pro 12 and stuff <clears throat> if there was a big Cup game coming up a week or two later, I was more focused on that than uh, living in the moment and playing the game that was in front of me. And, uh, you know, I suppose I wish that I enjoyed those games as much as I enjoyed the big games. Maybe that's the same for every sports person, but I suppose I look back now and I go, I've got 80-something caps for Munster, and I probably remember a handful. I remember the really big ones, and, you know, I just don't think that I enjoyed the <clears throat> what I would have thought were lesser at the time, but <clears throat> now when I'm finished, they're not lesser at all. I wish I would have enjoyed them equally as much as uh, the big ones.
1: Having had a bad luck with injury recently, and you, you've had the same over the last few years. You've had bad luck with injury as well. I think once you're outside of it, and and you're not stuck into playing every week, you you can appreciate the fact that God, like I was, like I was just letting the weeks pass me by without really enjoying them. And when you're outside the circle, then looking in, and you're watching the guys win, and watching the guys prepare, and you give anything to be out in the pitch with them. I think you appreciate it a bit more. But do you think we get far too caught up in the fact that it's next game, next game, next game, and 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 we don't actually take the time to stop and enjoy things? Win, lose, or draw, we we enjoy the win, and the losses are
0: crap. But we don't live in it. We don't live the moment. You know what I mean? And when it's all said and done, like that's it. It's it's done. You 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 have such a short career, so. If I if I could say one thing to any of the young guys that were starting again, I'd be like, just enjoy every single game. It's such a privilege to pull on whatever jersey you're wearing as a professional. For me, it was Munster, and it was all about Munster. And um, I just wish that, as I said, I I probably only remember a handful of a handful of the games, and I wish that I enjoyed every single one of them as much as 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 the big ones, you know. So we do we're a hundred percent caught in a bubble, and it's a mistake.
1: In years gone by, guys your age, guys at twenty eight years of age, who had eighty four caps from one very few of them would have decided to to make the decision to leave and uh, and go and pursue something else. That's something we're seeing more and more of. What do you think has changed in people's attitudes uh, over the last few years with regard to being willing to leave kind of their comfort zone and go and experience something new?
0: Um, I can't really speak for anybody else to be honest, but I can speak for myself and say that. Um, Injury was a massive part of it. I just felt like I was going from injury to injury. And that's me being really, really honest on on that. You know, I just felt like, as I said, I I don't want to be going over it again, but I've said that I, I got back from injury, started to play well and I get injured again. And look, it might be no different, but I feel like I'm 29 now at the end of it all. At minimum, if the same thing happens happens again, I've got two years, and I've got certainly a a, a life changing experience. Do you know what I mean? And I could stay here if I wanted. I'm I'm sure that there would have been a contract uh, here for me, um, if I wanted it. But I think it's just I I just feel like it's the right thing to do for me uh, uh, at this time. To be honest, as for the other lads, I don't know. Maybe the allure for some guys might be money. Maybe it might be lifestyle. Maybe it might be this. Maybe it might be that. I I can't really uh, answer that for those. You
1: mentioned there that it, it is such a short career. And I think the average career for rugby, a rugby player in Ireland is five years now, which is essentially nothing. Um, you have ambitions for what you want to do after rugby. You're quite keen on becoming a pilot. Um, Luke O'Dea, who many listeners might remember, um, spent the, the kind of last year and a bit in Lille. And, he started doing flying lessons over there and is now in the flying school in Cork and frighteningly enough perhaps uh, is not going to be a fully fledged pilot uh, in about 18 months time and uh, quite potentially <laughs> carrying us around the continent which mightn't uh, instill many people with that much confidence but uh, yeah tell us a bit about that how did you become interested in flying? As a
0: child, I was always, you know, well, sorry, as a young fellow, I was always interested in becoming a a player for Munster more so than even than Ireland. It was all about Munster for me and that was a massive thing. And outside of that, I was like, right, you got to have some realistic, uh, realistic hopes. And I thought that, you know, a, a pilot would, in a pilot would suit me down to the ground really. It's just, I don't know, I just, it was just something that I was interested in and, um, then my parents got me um, a voucher for some flying lessons out in Kuna, which I did two or three of, and really enjoyed those as well. The airplanes are pretty small for for a man like me and you to get into. Let me tell you, we wouldn't get in together. But um, I really enjoyed it, and uh, yeah, look, it, I don't know if I'm going to be a pilot at the end of the day. It's it's a possibility. I'm I'm finish. I'm trying to finish off my degree. I have two years um, down in uh, commerce, actually in in NUIG. so. Um, yeah, I've been enjoying that, and so maybe it might be business that I might end up going to. Maybe it might be becoming a pilot. I'm not really sure yet. I'm just leaving the door open, to be honest.
1: Suppose it's wise to leave the door open because, like you look, I was talking to someone earlier on today about Trevor Brennan and um, the fact that. He was going to become player coach at Barnhall until he got the call from Toulouse, and um, he was quite happy with that. And obviously, the rest is history, as they say. I think he's been there for fifteen years or so now. Um, so there's every possibility you could end up staying at yeah. Hall for the next fifteen years as maybe. well.
0: Maybe, yeah, maybe. Actually, I I, I said it to. My, I met him at the. The last uh, game in Tallaght Park when we played them, and I was like Trev, I was like, nice to meet you. I'm I'm actually heading to Port. He said, and the thickest Dublin action you can ever say. He's like, you're gonna absolutely love it. He said. So I, I hope I, I hope I do I hope I do enjoy it. And um, yeah, he he also offered me uh, a few points on a bed, so I might be <laughs> taking him up on that offer. I'll definitely be knocking on his door some Saturday night. But uh, I'm looking forward to um, I'm looking forward to just experiencing the lifestyle there.
1: Your sister Jessica is living over in London, and your younger brother is living in Dublin. And now you're going to be moving to France. Um, how did your parents react when you told them? Were they? Uh, I'm sure they're a bit sad to be losing the heir to the mushroom farm, <laughs> for at least, at least temporarily.
0: <laughs> That's a good solid mushroom farm. Let me tell you that. And I do want it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Look, I uh, I suppose. Um, yeah, I think my parents are going to miss probably they're, they're most disappointed because they're not going to be going to the Munster Games and see me play you know what I mean and it's a big thing for them you know all the parents know each other and that's that's it's a, it's a great community here but I suppose look I'll have uh, I'll have a three bed um, house over in France and they'll be welcome to come over so there'll be upsides to that but um yeah, I think they're probably a bit more disappointed. I'm just not going to be playing for Munster anymore, more so than anything else. They're very selfish. <laughs>
1: uh, well Mooch has been a great challenge That was really interesting and enjoyable. So the very best of luck next season and Paul best of luck with the injury, and uh, we'll talk to you again. Thanks, a lot. This this is the Crooked Feed Podcast. Next season's Champions Cup draw takes place on the 8th of June and here's your chance to win a pair of tickets to a Champions Cup game of your choice at Thoman Park next season. To enter, just answer this simple question. Name one of the Munster players nominated for European Player of the Year this season. Send your entries to competitions at munsterrugby.ie and good luck! When the last Lions tour took place in Australia in 2013, CJ Stander was still trying to find his way at Munster, having made just 7 appearances in his first season. Fast forward to today and CJ has come a very long way. A talisman of the Munster pack, Munster Player of the Year in 2015 and 2016, and now one of three Munster players selected to travel with the British and Irish Lions this summer. We caught up with CJ before he headed
2: away. Hi, Donk, yeah, thanks for having me. I'm uh, looking forward to uh, when you're going to invite me, so I made the cut before the end of the year. <laughs> you did, you know, I promised, I
1: promised I did. Uh, first of all, congratulations on being selected for the British and Irish Lions. Uh, that's a terrific achievement. You must be delighted, obviously.
2: Yeah, thank you very much, man. Yeah, I uh, didn't really expect it. Uh, well, two weeks in, before the call the call was made, I, th- I said to my wife, look, I don't think I'm going to be in. So uh, when I got the call, uh, it was quite special. Fairness now, Brian Scott told me straight off the training, so I don't know if he had his <laughs> with him, but <laughs> I got it from Brian Scott, so oh, pretty very sp- uh, special.
1: Yeah, Shout out to Scotty there. Yeah. Uh, important part of the job. Uh, let's go back to, I, I think it'd be fair to say you probably agree that the game that really saw your Munster career take off would have been the quarterfinal against Toulouse in 2014. Uh, would, you, would, would, would you agree with that? Yeah, so you would, did your homework, yeah, was yeah. When, yeah when you yeah. really arrived. Um, prior to that, you'd had... You had nearly nearly two seasons with kind of I suppose mixed uh, success. How frustrating was it being here at that time and things not going right for you? And how far away did you think something like British Irish Lions was at that stage?
2: Yeah, look, I think that was a game you know when it really kicked off. Uh, I think my first year I only played like ten games, so uh, it was yeah, it was frustrating. But. Um, when I, when I look back now, I feel like you're playing for Manchester. You know? You're going to just walk in here yeah, and just broke up and say, hey, I'm going to start, you know. So uh, at that stage, it was very frustrating. I couldn't get into the team. I just wasn't qualified for European game, so I couldn't even... I, even if I was good enough I couldn't play anyway, you know. So um but uh the other side is I met a lot of young boys, younger boys at the academy playing in the A side, you know? and it was a good experience also to see where Munster comes from and where they come from, you know. So we're all playing together now. So uh that was special. But uh yeah, it was difficult to break into the team, you know. Um I think the biggest thing was just um training hard on on the uh, opposition side for the team so that they can go out on Saturdays and can get a bit of pride out of that I might didn't prepare well for the weekend. So, uh, yeah, look, it was frustrating, but I learned a lot during that time. The easy thing probably at the end of that
1: season to do would have been to say, right, this hasn't worked out and go somewhere else. I know it was a really commendable thing, and a lot of guys respected the fact that you said, no, I'm going to stay here and fight for my place, and uh, it's just gone really well since. Uh, so to see it culminate with a tour now to New Zealand with the British Irish Lions is just great, and I know everyone's delighted to see it. Just give us a general idea of what
2: the next few weeks will involve. Um, is it a hectic schedule in the lead up to when you leave? Yeah, it's it's quite. Uh, so we're playing Saturday, and then uh, straight like we're saying in Dublin. We're flying the next day to London, and then uh, we're flying Monday to uh, to New Ze- well, Australia, and then off to New Zealand. You know, so uh, it's quite hectic in our know, next few days. Um, it was quite quick on me also because uh, I haven't been in camp at all. Me and Mar and Peter haven't been in camp so don't know, it's going to be an hectic few days just to get, um, to get to know the people and get to know the calls, you know, yourself, how important it is to make sure that you know your job, you know. So the schedule is going to be, well, it looks so far, it's going to be full on every day, you know. So uh, it's something to look forward to, but also you need to spend your time wisely and make sure that you plan well for your days because um, if you don't plan and just rock up and think you're going to get through it, you're not going to make it, you know. So, uh, yeah, the biggest thing is for me just to plan and make sure that I get through. The whole tour and not just plan f- and just not get there and make sure i'm happy and i just want to be there i want to i want to start you know and i want to be involved every week so it's going to be hectic but it's something to look forward to and then hopefully get a good few weeks after that to, to get a bit of a break you know it's been a long season and i think a break will be good for the body yeah it has been a long season and it's been a tough season both physically and emotionally
1: for everyone here for obvious reasons the schedule is pretty hectic. I've looked at it; it's, it's it's as full on, probably more full on than any other Lions tour in the past. Is it difficult at this stage in the season to look into something like that and think oh, I have to put my body through another six, seven weeks of this?
2: Yeah, um, when you get to a stage we play semi and finally, you know, your body almost tells yourself, "Look, I'm going to give you everything here you now," and then go, "Boom, happy <laughs> days." Got few four weeks or four, three weeks or whatever you know. So then you get another seven games or another six or five games. You don't know what you're going to play, but you, on top of that, you know, another another five, five six weeks to train you know and uh, the mental toughness you have to get yourself ready to to be ready on that Sunday evening to train on that Monday is, is, is hard you know and uh, um, it's going to take a lot of mental I think more ment- on the mental side preparation you know because the body is probably in, in pilot mode now We um, will just m- go with the head so just to get the head ready because uh, as I said you need to train or, try and train well to make sure that you can play on the weekends and um, if you don't train well you can't really expect to, to, to play now and I think going down there there's going to be a lot of stuff off the pitch with the New Zealanders with um, their traditions you know we're going to have to uh, go go away with them um, for having food with the locals and, and, mm-hmm. and going to schools maybe there and do social stuff off, off, outside of rugby you know and uh, that's also going to take out of it you know And but it's also a thing to look forward to something new to experience I've experienced before but I think some of the other boys will, uh, would love it so uh, it's going to bring a bit of excitement back into it
1: Culturally do you think you're going to notice a big difference uh, or have you noticed a big difference between people from Ireland and people from Scotland, England and Wales. Um, obviously, you've had to come to Ireland and adjust to the way of life here, get to know Irish people and get used to the way we go about our business. Uh, what's your impression
2: been of people from the other side of the water, I suppose? Yeah, look, every culture is different, you know. Uh, I've experienced the um, Irish culture now for a good few years, you know, and um, it'll be interesting if to see... From my side now, what, what will be the differences, you know, but f- f- from now, from the bat we've met up a few times now and um, everyone is quite nice so far, you know, but I think when you go four or five weeks into camp, away from home in New Zealand, you'll see people's uh, personalities come out, you know, but uh, yeah, um, I think the culture-wise, the Irish culture is especially you know, and you you boys uh, go about your way, as you said, on uh, your own way, you know, and you keep on, Doing everything you know, so every culture is different. Um, I'd say, I don't know. Um, I don't want to talk myself out, you know. But uh, <laughs> I'd say, uh, I'd say, it probably. I reckon the Welsh boys and the, the Welsh boys and the Irish boys will be quite well. I think so. Quite similar, and the race will probably be be different. There's not a lot of Scottish boys. You want you wondering really know what's going on there. But the English boys are. They're always on their own, probably, you know, I don't, I'm not sure yet, we'll see, but um, we'll see probably after four or five weeks, I'll give you a call again and then uh, yeah. let you know. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it is
1: it is quite quite a shock to the system, I imagine, like, you, you're going to be rooming with someone that potentially you've never have met before, yeah. uh, which is probably a daunting thing, but a great thing as well, um, that's, that's kind of one of the great aspects of rugby, and just on that, I know Axel used to talk a lot about uh, friends, like, he had very good friends from teams that he would have played against down through the years, um, but as the game has become more professional and the stakes have become higher and the seasons have become longer and more intense um, that, that seems to have uh, that seems to have lessened a little bit uh, do you, do you, do you think it's still possible to forge relationships with guys from other teams to the extent that there would have been before or do you think the seasons are so long and tough that it's just a case of you play against the guy and you don't see him or talk to him again until you play him again
2: yeah, I think it's quite true, you know, because as you said, now a season is so long, you play and you train for 49, 50 weeks, you know, so the other two weeks, you're not going to hang around or the other three weeks, you're not going to hang around uh, with someone else, you know, you're going to probably try to spend some time with the family and get a better way, you know, so um, look, I think, uh, going on tour for a good few weeks now together, there will be f- good friendships made out of it and a good few bonds that you can't break really. You know, So um, it is a long way away from home and you, you, you're going to need to figure out who's your friends and who and, and you can count on, you know. So I think there will be a f- few friends made. Um, it is rugby, we all know it, and, and uh, friends in rugby will always stay friends, you know, but I think the season is long. Um, you can make friends in rugby, but um, look, if you play against him, he's going to be an enemy again, you know, so uh, you're just going to have to move on and uh, look past that. Are the family going to join you down in New Zealand? Uh, Yeah, my f- my family, my dad-in-law and my my father-in-law, sorry, and my dad's coming over, and my brother-in-law's coming over for, for one or two games, so looking forward to that. Uh, wife's going to stay in Ireland, she wants to have some summer, I don't know if she's going to get that, but uh, she, <laughs> da- wants, doubtful. Yeah. she wants that for a while. So yeah, it'll just be me and, 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 and the three boys, so looking forward to that, it'll be a good experience for them again to come down there and just see a different side of things again and, and, and uh, hopefully see me play again. Uh, you recently moved into a house in Castle Connell out in County Limerick How was that going? Yeah lovely uh, it's a great house nice uh, bungalow good for the knees I don't like stairs <laughs> so uh, it's lovely it's nice and quiet the neighbours are uh, the neighbors are on the elderly side, I think uh, closest to to me, the youngest to me, closest to me anyway, is about 50, so uh, it's nice and quiet and, uh, and then one neighbor came over and said to me, we had a bit of a chat and he asked me, do I like to party and I, uh, <laughs> I said no, he said good, so cause it's <laughs> nice and quiet here, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's lovely, uh, it's, it's something I'm used to, uh, countryside and it's nice and quiet and it only takes me 10 minutes to get into training so uh, yeah I love it it's a bit of land so happy days
1: Yeah I know it's a nice part of the world and there's a few of you out there you know you're forming your own little monster clique out there so I don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing for the residents of Castle It <laughs> that remains to be seen the very best of luck on the tour in the course of the summer and thanks very much for joining us on The Crooked Feed.
2: Thanks Don appreciate it man cheers bud This,
1: this is The Crooked Feed Podcast I'm Duncan Casey, thanks for listening to The Crooked Feed this season. If you enjoyed it, don't forget to check out our previous episodes by subscribing to Monster Rugby on iTunes and SoundCloud. And if you've got any suggestions or would like to let me know what you liked and did not like over the course of this season, just get in touch with me on Twitter at BigDunk123. See you again next season.